following program is produced by the Align in the Sound team. If you like what you hear, please stick around at the end of the show. To find out more, contact us and contribute towards a positive future. We're joined by Andre Larivier. Is that reasonably right? Uh, yeah, sure, of course. Uh, <laughs> French accent is almost good. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Uh, now, Andre, uh, you're in Australia. You're going on a walk. Yes, in a walk, uh, more precisely in Western Australia, nine-week walks from Wiluna to Perth via Leonora and uh, Kilgurley. And uh, about the uranium mining and with the presence of some Aboriginal people. It's a movement called Footprints for Peace who has done already many walks through the world and it's the way we came in contact because they crossed our country, friends, three years before. They were walking from London to Geneva. Incidentally, 90% of the itinerary was in France when you say London to Geneva. <laughs> and they had not the language, neither the contact, so we told, okay, uh, we, we, were, uh, we are actively uh, anti-nuclear ourselves since many years, so we said we support them actively and we've helped to find a host and we have created many public events and so now they are part of our international family. And it's the reason why we are invited here. But before we started, with a, I'm with a colleague from France from the same anti-nuclear network called uh, Network for a Nuclear Phase-Out, gathering more than 900 groups and NGOs, a sort of super NGO. And so we went here first for a three weeks uh, tour in the southeast of Australia, Sydney, Melbourne, and now Canberra, and for many, with many meetings and uh, joining various events. Right, um, we're very happy here. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is the connection between France and Australia in a in nuclear way? Why did you come here? Yeah, uh, we could say. Uh, in the nuclear aspect, uh, France is the big brother of the little uh, Australia because France is, is what I call a nuclear banana republic. <laughs> so they have 58 uh, nuclear reactors and many research centers and they have the bombs also. They have uh, everything that can make you happy with atoms. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so... Australia has much less, a little research centre, uh, so in consequence uh, some uh, look for a place for a uranium waste dump site, uh, waste dump site, excuse me, and of course they have mainly a lot of uranium, 40% of the world uh, capacities if I don't mistake. And the export also to France, but not so much. We're not the main client, the main cons cons consumer. Yeah. Uh, so, because France has its own uh, furnishers, let's say, like Niger, that is a former colony, 
So it's easy to make good agreements in this in this kind of situation, and also from Canada and Kazakhstan a little bit. But Areva is playing a kind of world game as a big corporation, with but with the money of the French state. Nine, 89% of the money of Areva is coming from the French state. So it's easy to look like a big corporation when you you just taken the pockets of the citizens uh, non-stop since decades. Mm, I'd, I'd definitely like to sort of pull this apart a little bit. The, the nuclear debate in Australia is mainly mining and mm -hmm. the problems that go with mining yeah. and, of course, uh, pollution and mm -hmm. Aboriginal issues and the waste. Yeah. Um, so we, we don't get a chance really to go very in-depth about most of the other, the bigger, larger issues. So that's, that's I'm glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, just to finish with the river, you know that they look for uranium right for uh, mining in Kata, Kakadu Park. And so it's a direct link, of course. Uh, think they won't get it because now it's going the direction of world heritage and including in the national park great for you <laughs> we're mm. very happy and we'll make it known in France that Arriva one more time lost uh, lost uh, a little <laughs> game and but the Arriva is who is Arriva? Oh yeah, Arriva. There are three main pro-nuclear lobbies in France. And the first one is CEA. It's a huge research center on atoms. And they work on both civilian and military atoms uh, since decades. So 93% of the research budget are going for energy is going to CEA. So there is nothing left for sustainable energy. So <laughs> Uh, the other big pro-nuclear structure is EDF, it's a national electricity company that is now like a competitor to Areva because they also want to make agreements with other foreign companies to build nuclear power plants. And the third big uh, pro-nuclear lobby is Areva that's, that is get, gathering all the different components uh, to build and maintain nuclear power plants for from the how do you call it, the cradle, the, the beginning of the chain? The cradle. Cradle to the grave. grave. Yeah. So there's mean uranium mining, and they pretend to, to know how to take care well of the waste. They, <laughs> they uh, gather everything. No. Yeah. It's the, and <clears throat> these power lobbies are so powerful that we see that it's like a state in the state. And the politicians are becoming like their puppets, you know. And we, when we try to discuss, discuss with the politicians, we realize very quickly that we know more than them on the, on the nuclear question. They just repeat what the lobbies are telling them to tell. You know? And it's what is making from France a nuclear banana republic. We can understand that a little bit. Our last prime minister was... Uh overthrown just after he introduced or tried to introduce a, uh, a mining tax on the very, very big profits that mm -hmm. the miners are making at the moment. Mm -hmm. Good example. It's not, uh, mm -hmm. it's not overtly known that that was the cause, but mm -hmm. highly suspicious. Yeah, yeah. Another direct link between France and Australia on the nuclear question is that... Uh, 
the little research center in Sydney uh, is producing some waste. When you play with nuclear stuff, it's un you cannot avoid it, even if it's uh, at a little scale. And this is sent to LAG in France for so-called reprocessing. In fact, they just separate the plutonium from the other radioactive elements, but the rest is a waste. And uh, but for different countries, it's useful to get rid at least on a provisory base from the waste. But it's a contract, and after a certain amount of years, they must take it back. And now the time is coming soon for Australia to take back their waste. Hmm. And it's one of the pretexts to look quickly for nuclear uh, for a waste deposit in, in, here in Australia. <laughs> Good luck to them. <laughs> right now, um, Australians tend to be sort of fairly focused on Australia, and mm -hmm. many of our listeners French, French. probably won't know much about France. Um, yeah, but France are so focused on, them, on themselves now. <laughs> it's only natural. <laughs> How big is France physically? Physically? Oh, well, you ask me a question compared to Australia, you mean? Yeah, roughly. I read something in a book on Australia, but uh, I forgot. <laughs> it was about to compare to, I think, to Western Australia. I think it was uh, three or four times more the size western australia was three or four times bigger as france but i'm not sure okay. i cannot tell you sounds mm. about right yeah i simply know that quebec my native country be is because i live in france since 20 years but i'm native from quebec canada it's five times bigger than uh, than france <laughs> right but most of our country quebec is you cannot live there it's desert cold desert Hmm. Right, so how many people live in France? It's 64 million. 64 million. Yeah. You said there was 53 nuclear reactors 58 there? 58 nuclear 58. reactors. Are they all in one spot? Or? No, on 19 spot. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's a bit too much for now. So they export uh, the uh, 10 reactors are working just for exportation around. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that nuclear energy is uh, good, in bracket, to, uh, for basic uh, production. But when there are peaks, like with uh, electricity, electric heatings by cold uh, mm -hmm. winter here, nights. Here the peaks are when people come home and switch on their air conditioning. Yeah, but yep. now it's a new fashion in France and it's true also there for the hot summer days. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But, and that in this period time, the time period, they cannot uh, afford with nuclear energy, so they must buy... Uh, electricity from other European countries at a higher price than they sell it when they export uh, continuously. Mm -hmm. So it's a strange choice because the risk and the, 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 the waste are staying in France when you export, it's clear. No? And also we must say that uh, because there are all these uh, 58 reactors are only on 19 spots, they must... Uh, uh, push away and far uh, a lot of electricity by pylons. So, 
So there are two more than 200,000 pylons crossing France in all directions with high voltage. So these are the great big steel yeah. towers yeah, full yeah, of that's little it. triangles. Yeah, and full of uh, electromagnetic uh, energy that can be insane for inhabitants and uh, animals that are too close. Mm -hmm. So um, what, uh, how old are these reactors? Yeah, it's a good question. Most of them are uh, after their half-life. It does mean between the half and two-thirds. Let's say they come older quickly and they were conceived to last around 30, 35 years. But now the new game, of course, is without publishing new laws. Uh, the government with the electric company, National Electric Company, EDF, they decide more and more often that, okay, we made a test and this uh, nuclear power plant is, can easily go 10 or even 15, 20 years further. So it's the new fashion to get more money of the huge investment they have done in it to try to make the life longer for this nuclear power plant. But there are more and more risks for big problems because it was not conceived for that. And it's so complex machines with so many tech, technical elements and that, that it's like a, a car that is coming older. At one point, uh, you cannot rely so much on it. And it's not the same thing with a reactor, nuclear reactor, than a car, of course, if there is a problem. It's given uh, uh, terrible. It has. To, it can have terrible effects. That's right. They had a problem at Fukushima just lately, yeah. and yeah, it yeah. was a big problem. Yeah, yeah. And before Chernobyl, twenty-five years before, you know that in France, since decades, they were telling that before Chernobyl, they were telling that we can have this sort of major accident one time per ten thousand years. And now we had two in 25 years, and we don't mention those who came very close to Eben, like in Sweden in 2007, and in other places. Mm. So now we uh, we can be relaxed. We have a good uh, advance uh, on the timing. Also. Has there been any major accidents in France? We can see that until now they were very very lucky. I call it a kind of little miracle in the sense that there were many incidents. Uh, we, uh, anyway, for them it's always only incidents. It's the way they call it officially. Uh, but they are between six and 700 per year. And sometimes they have to slow down or to stop the machine, but uh, nothing uh, really grave uh, until now. Uh, but we came close to sometimes. So in, at the end of 99, Near Bordeaux, there is a nuclear power plant, uh, and we had a huge storm, unusual storm, and he, there is a dam beside the sea, and it has broken down, and the nuclear power plant had the feet in the water. And they were close to evacuate the whole region around, and finally, uh, they didn't have to do it, and so we can say it's nothing. And two years before, in the Rhone Valley, there was Tricastin, where they enriched the uranium also. They, they had some big problems with losing radioactive waste, materials. And so they forbid people to swim, to drink the tap water for some weeks and things like that. But after a while, they said, OK, we've got control again. 
uh, it didn't happen yet. Mm, now, um, with a nuclear reactor, we don't have a, a nuclear power reactor here in Australia, so we don't know much about them. What are the sort of uh, wastes and emissions that come out of a typical mm. reactor? Yeah, uh, there are many, uh, not only radioactive uh, materials, but also chemicals, a lot of chemicals, mainly in the water. So the two main uh, garbage, let's say, are thrown in the air and another part in the water. And so when you live uh, lower than an, uh, along a river, lower than a nuclear power plant, you can seriously worry. And if you want to fish in it, uh, it's at your own risk, of course. And mm. so the main materials in the air, it's like tritium, and in the water, also in the air, but iodium, cesium, and many other ones that I cannot tell more precisely, but it's a real cocktail. You know? And with all length of life, it can be from some days to... Uh, like plutonium, it's 24,400 years. And just for the first half-life, you know, and, and after this you have to count 10 half-life like this diminishing to consider that it's uh, more or less uh, inoffensive. And uh, plutonium, we must repeat that it was not existing in nature. Uh, man has created it when they began to uh, split atoms. So it's kind of a sorcerer's apprentice game, <laughs> and they are afraid about nothing. You know, they install themselves. And here we have a map of nuclear friends showing that they installed the biggest nuclear research center on on the most active fault line we have in France. And there do you find already 35,000 tons of radioactive materials, including plutonium. And it's where they want to build a new crazy project called ITER. ITER, it's not uh, fission like in nuclear reactors, it's fusion. So they want to reach the warmth of the center of the sun. And uh, no materials can contain it, so they they want to build a kind of very powerful electromagnetic field and it will, they will do an experience for some seconds that will take much more, uh, need much more electricity than what it can produce and if it's producing some little <coughs> electricity they will start to build an, an industrial series of that, it's the crazy project and all this could start in around one century but the real question is what will the world look in one century? <laughs> Probably <laughs> everything will be completely broken and damaged if we continue in the same direction. It's now that we need solutions and we have it with economy saving and uh, renewables. So. Mm, just to get back, well, I guess the, <laughs> the fusion there is sort of, it's uh, held among the nuclear industry as uh, a type of holy grail that's, uh, yeah, yeah, it, that's the answer to all problems, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, and it's to, on one side, I think it's to make dream people to, they need that people still dream of, about something in this, in this direction, you know? And the other main uh, reason, we believe, it's simply to get, go on to get in the sense all the research budgets 
uh, the two main points I think and like the connection with the climate change it's important to also to maybe realize that it was the last big lie invented by a very cynical industry uh, when uh, it's not bothering you to create it eternal waste and to risk Chernobyl and Fukushima why some degrees more or less in the weather could bother you could they uh, but uh, it's the last chance they had to to try to still justify nuclear energy in the actual world. So they jumped on that. And this big lie has been invented in everywhere by friends and the whole world, all countries want to go in the direction of nuclear energy, bought it immediately and we hear it non-stop. No. But for us, it's clear that it's pest or cholera. Now, if you were choosing more nuclear to avoid more uh, new, uh, climatic change, it's as if you were telling, okay, I prefer cholera to pest. Uh, uh, something ridiculous in that. No? Mm. So uh, with regard to, um, to carbon emissions, for instance, with climate change, um, how, uh, how is uh, the electricity from a... Uh, from a reactor regarded in in France by the officials and of course by the uh, the anti-nuclear mob there people sorry yeah you speak about the, the electricity production related to CO, CO2 yes yeah. uh, of course the official uh, discourse from the French authorities and the nuclear lobbies is that it's creating no CO2, no grass uh, uh, greenhouse effect. Uh, but they consider just the time section when it's functioning. And in, the, at this, in this period, it's relatively true. But they uh, omit to mention First, the uranium extraction, it's all done with petroleum, you know it here. Yeah. After this, the transportation to the world, petroleum. After this, to build this nuclear power plant, a lot of concrete and petroleum again. And after this, to dismantle the whole thing. In fact, I didn't see the right, uh, the exact numbers uh, for, until now, but it's not zero, it's clear when you consider the whole chain for the nuclear energy. Right, now, um, I guess the, the reactor itself, um, how long would it take to build one of these? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's normal in this uh, great world with nuclear energy that everything is underestimated. So uh, now they have two nuclear power plants that they are trying to build, one in Finland and one in the western part of France. They call it the third generation uh, EPR and uh, for European pressurized water reactor. And uh, they, in Finland they made a little mistake. They told to the Swedish, uh, to the Finnish people, okay, it will cost you three billion for one nuclear power plant. That's all. Three billion euros. Euros. Yeah, euros. And uh, excuse me, I forgot to precise. <laughs> it's so normal. <laughs> and uh, but now uh, the 
the overcast is uh, reaching six billions or euros, mm. double, twice. And same thing for the time delays. They told them, okay, in 2009, if I will remember, it will be ready. We are three years later than they told, so it's uh, twice, uh, time, two times more for the time delay. And uh, who will pay all this overcast? French citizen, because there is a French insurance called COFAS that is reserved for the contracts that not uh, going well in ex with exportation, and so you can sell weapons to dictators, and it's making nice economic news in the news French newspaper, and you guess that maybe they won't pay everything, and at this moment it's not grave, they turn in the direction of the citizen, sorry, we need this money for this contract, and, and they don't ask to the citizen if they agree with that, it's uh, automatic. You know. So this is the story. We can see that the nuclear power plants, they, in this world, they really under, and underestimate everything. Also the cost for dismantling. So until now, France was supposed, EDF was supposed to provision, put apart the money to 15% of the cost for dismantling. But they played this money at an international level to buy electric companies, electricity company in Brazil, Argentina, and they lost money. You know? And also in the meantime, Great Britain has done a study on dismantling, and it's almost, uh, in fact, much more than they thought. It will cost almost what, what was costing the ensemble for constructing. And the last little point is that they don't know today how to dismantle a nuclear power plant. They have no idea. They try actually on one or two little ones in France, like in the west part of France here, and, uh, but they are stopped uh, all the time. And the best you can do is to take, to take it in part and to carry it in, in a waste dump. There is no miracle with waste, and no, nobody wants it at home, and only time is working on that. It's a real dead end. So, which parts of the reactor will have to be, uh, will, will end up being some sort of radioactive waste? All parts, all parts. Uh, the worst is the heart, of course, the uranium bars and the, the, the used fuel is terrible also to deal with. But uh, even the well, I, I suppose I'm I'm sorry. We should yeah. go back one step and just yeah. explain how how the reactor works. Okay, okay. Uh, from the very beginning, we can say uh, that uh, there are many ways to boil water, and they found the stupidest way to do it. It's with splitting atoms. When you split atom, it's creating a, a lot of warmth and you evacuate the biggest part of it by steam. Uh, with the steam it's uh, in the air, and so in France all the nuclear power plants have, uh, we see this characteristic shape of uh, cooling towers. And this is making turbines turning that are producing electricity, but from the boiling water of splitting atoms. And there is a first uh, 
Oh, for me, the technical words are a bit difficult in English. In English, but you, you have a first circuit that is supposed to be closed. Where is the uranium fuel? And you have a second circuit that is uh, uh, supposed to be less or few radioactive. But if there are problems, you need to push it out in some way. So after the first, the second circuit, and after then, after that, it's outside simply. And so, and when immediately when you touch to radioactive material, the clothes, the tools, everything is coming more lightly, lightly radioactive. But they are already waste. So we can say that. Uh, by the end, a whole nuclear plant can be saturated with radioactivity and it's not an invention. Mm. So I guess in Australia we are familiar with uh, mine tailings, the, mm -hmm. the first mm -hmm. radioactive waste in, yeah. the, in the cycle. Yeah. Have you had any mines over in France? Yes, we... Uh, in the 60s and yeah from the 60s to the end of the 80s we had uh, let's say worth 250 little uranium mines or explorations for uranium mining so where i live i have 120 kilometers east from my place it was just exploration they judged it was not rich enough and so they abandoned it but still today we have 210 uh, uh, uranium mines or explorations abandoned in a bad way. It does mean that they just uh, made the soil equal and then the towns or the village used it to put under the roads, or park sites, houses, camping, campsites and so on. Uh, so it's showing also that uh, now 100% of the uranium is imported for France from Niger mainly, that is a former French colony, so easy to make good agreements, and from Canada and a few Australia and some other countries. And so for us it's a joke because the, the French propaganda in the media is always we're independent because of nuclear energy. But 100% of the fuel is imported and uh, most of the nuclear power plants installed in France are based on a US-American model from Westinghouse from whom they bought the license to have the right to build it in France. So, Cocorico. <laughs> 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 okay, so the, the 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 uranium that comes out of a mine is called yellow cake. Yeah. Uh, it's imported into France. Yeah. What happens then? Yeah, first we have it's it's a shame <clears throat> that people in the radio cannot see our beautiful friends map of the nuclear friends because we have it on the table in front of us <laughs> and we see everything. And so first it's come in by ship or in the northwest in the harbor, main harbor in the northwest, or in the Mediterranean. And it's sent to a first place in the southwest of France called Malvesi for a first treatment on the yellow, yellow cake. Then it's carried by trucks. And everywhere in France you have trucks carrying radioactive materials or waste in all directions and you don't see it. It looks like a yogurt truck or, <laughs> or nothing at all. 
and so it's carried to the Rhone Valley where in Tricastin they enrich this uranium coming from the yellow cake and you need three reactors only to enrich the uranium and on the other side it's given what is they call depleted uranium it's a way a garbage from the enrichment and so this depleted uranium could be a question also for people in Australia who are who feel responsible for the exportation of uh, yellow cake because depleted uranium some militaries uh, who have always a very positive mind thought that when we have waste here and that we have enemies in another part of the world it's a very great solution to send our, our, gar our garbage on the head on the head of enemies so, so it's what they do, including it in uh, munitions, uh, ammunition, yeah. And it's very hard to uh, to burst even the bunker of uh, any dictator or former friend dictator. <laughs> and, and so they send it, and it's used in this way to kill lots of civilian people. Now in Iraq, we see pictures of babies who were born like monsters because of the depleted uranium. And uh, it's uh, grave. It's uh, let's say we could call it a mass destruction, uh, non-explosive nuclear uh, weapon. Hmm? It's a dirty uh, bomb. Yeah, you know, yeah, sure. And it's uh, I say non-explosive. It's exploding, but the real effect is beginning. Uh, that is terrible. Is beginning after the explosion. And I suppose that wouldn't only affect humans. No, of course, but it, especially depleted uranium, it, the age of this sort of uranium is it's unbelievable. It's four billion five hundred millions of years. It's the age of the Earth. So it's coming in the water and food chain for eternity, simply. Mm, and, nice one. Yeah, yeah. And so after this enrichment is sent to the 19 sites where you have 58 nuclear power plants and one time per one year, two years, I'm no more sure now, they make a kind of replacement of some of these bars and it's sent uh, a flag for so-called reprocessing where they separate the plutonium and we don't know why they separate the plutonium still today because the first demand from where from the, the military is to to have more bombs but now they have too much of this plutonium and when it's separated it's more easy to get it for proliferation to give it to other countries so that they build their own bombs so the plutonium is only used in bombs and not in power plants yes now they have a new risk they call it uh, recycling fuel recycled fuel and it's a mix of they call it mox and it's a mix of uh, plutonium and enriched uranium and you they have between eight and nine percent of this plutonium but uh, it's uh, it's still a really very silly game of uh, uh, sorcerers apprentices because uh, even EDF that by solidarity is obliged to put it in a part of their nuclear power plants but they don't like it because it's more dangerous, more corrosive for the machines and when it's over, when the use of this MOX is over, it's so hot that you cannot approach it for 70 years. 
and it's given a, a, one of the most terrible ways we can imagine. Mm. One more time. Mm. And uh, just a last word on Mox. Uh, in La Hague, uh, in this place that is uh, one of the most uh, uh, terrible in France, uh, first they throw radioactive waste in the water in the channel. Uh, near the channel that is pushed with the Gulf Stream until Norway and Norway is complaining because of that. Mm. And the last point is that they have 80 tons of plutonium in La Hague, 80 tons, when you know that 4-5 tons can create a spontaneous uh, nuclear bomb. Just all by itself, the heat will heat itself up, the nuclear heat to explosion point. That's it by itself. By itself. <laughs> so they all did this 80 tons and 40 are belonging to France and 40 from other countries we send always there. They are all in little cans uh, containing 3 kilos each to 0.5 so that they don't reach this quantity for a spontaneous nuclear explosion. Yes. It's a, <laughs> it's a hell's picture. You know? <laughs> Yes, amazing, amazing stuff. Uh, <laughs> so, um, I guess uh, slightly larger. What, um, what, what, are, what are some of uh, France's neighbours doing uh, on the? Uh, like, what, what are the options for France and, and its neighbours who it's exporting nuclear electricity to for, say, renewable options? What are the renewable options for the France area? Uh, actually, or in the yeah. future, actually, yeah, it's uh, a sad story because France is saying uh, nuclear energy is like a Maginot line for France. You know, you know the story of Maginot line. No. It was uh, the, before the Second World War. They were very confident that they will stop the. Uh, Nazi army and the East because they had a little line along uh, Alsace and in some other part and uh, Nazi just turned over and they came behind and everything was okay <laughs> easy for them and so in the car energy uh, it's a little bit like a Maginot line for the, for in the head of the French politician but it can be as ridiculous uh, that it happened in the history and because uh, they, they see that all other countries go, go on very quickly with the sustainable energies. So they act as if they were willing it as well. But just a few, like some wind machines between two nuclear power plants, but not too much. They don't want to, have sh to make shadow on the powerful nuclear power plants. So the game they play is that uh, they act as if they were encouraging sustainable energies and when it's beginning to work they break down everything and they stop all the subsides for that and so the little companies who start to install uh, solar panels, wind machines, they break down and they buy it as a cheap price to put it in the basket of the big uh, nuclear corporations. It's really what's happening actually in France. And it's a very insane game, and we can see that compared to Germany and Spain, who, uh, who go on very, very quickly and strongly with the renewable energies, they already lost the new energetic war in France. Mm. So Spain is a, a neighbor of France, and, mm -hmm. and is 
Germany, Germany yeah. and Switzerland and Italy, mm -hmm. Belgium, Netherlands. So do they have the same the same options? You say they are doing renewable energy. Yeah. What what sort do they use? Oh, mainly uh, wind machines and solar panels. And panels for both electricity and uh, water heating because when you heat it by the sun, it's petroleum, gas or atoms you don't use anymore. It's also important. Mm -hmm. And these countries have done a very different choice. So Germany, you know that since Fukushima, lines are moving quickly in many countries. So Germany already had decided maybe 10 years before, 15 years before, to stop all nuclear power plants. But they were beginning to doubt and to put it in question again. And since Fukushima, they've they made the final decision that the last power plant, nuclear power plant, will be stopped in 2022. Switzerland did the same uh, for the few nuclear power plants for 2034. And Italy confirmed it for, with a second referendum in the middle of June that they really don't want nuclear energy. And Berlusconi, that is in the same nice period than Sarkozy, was beginning to be willing seriously to restart nuclear energy. Now he has no more the choice. But this people, and Spain, it's another story. It's very interesting because they don't make an official decision that they phase out nucle nuclear energy, but they go in this direction. They don't even tell it, but they are some days to, at this time, uh, now, when there are some days when they produce more with renewables than with nuclear energy. And you, you see, when you go in this country, you see li little fields of solar panels beside the village. You see many wind machines on the mountains and so on. And in Germany, they already uh, they have already created more than three hundred thousand jobs only with sustainables and uh, economy saving, energy mm. saving. I think Germany actually creates more solar power than Australia does. Uh, yeah, and what is incredible <laughs> is that, as an example, Germany is really less sunny than France. And the southern part of France, it's ridiculous that today they don't have all solar panels on the roof. You know? They have a full of sun, like, uh, like in most regions in Australia. But you need a political will for that. And as long as we'll have dinosaurs in power, it won't happen. We must push them out. Mm. Now, you said there was 300,000 jobs in Germany in renewable electricity. Mm -hmm. How many jobs in France in the nuclear industry? I saw the numbers, but I uh, forget it sometimes. Rough. To, yeah, roughly, I would say 120,000 or 140,000. But it's not a so nice picture because uh, more and more friends like here, I heard, uh, EDF is using uh, subcontractors, I don't know ah. if it's the right word. Yes. So in France, 80% of the workers who go in the dirty parts to maintain it, they are not the regular employees. They are uh, hired for some weeks, some months, and when they got their annual doses, they send them away. And this, you have a kind of new class of poor nuclear workers who take all the risk, who are sick, and they move from a nuclear power plant to the other one, 
and live in caravans. Really? So uh, the annual dose, what is that? Uh, what is that? Uh, it's a theoretical uh, number that some scientists have chosen. We can uh, doubt about it because uh, first uh, it's not sure that any dose of radioactivity is harmless. Even it's very tiny and so it's simply that the problem, health problem in consequence will appear maybe 10-20 years later and it will be still more difficult to make the link with the, the source of this problem. So it's already... Uh, we can discuss this point, but in different countries there is an international level. One more time, I'm not, uh, I must have the, sh the numbers written on a paper to remember everything. But as a sad joke, as an example, in Japan after Fukushima they raised the annual doses for the workers and then they raised the, the annual doses for the population also. And now the, the population can get the same annual doses than the nuclear workers and it's supposed to be still not harmful. Suppose. <laughs> so, in the uranium mines here, the, um, the, there's a, a set level, like you say, that the, the workers can be exposed to, and they will wear a, mm -hmm. a little badge on their uniform mm -hmm. every day while they're at work to measure the amount of radiation that they are exposed to over time. Mm -hmm. um, and that is the annual annual dose that's that you're it, that's referring it, yeah. to. Thank you for the details. So, <laughs> so uh, one more little point on that is that uh, the new poor nuclear workers I uh, was telling you about, they have this badge, but because they know they will be pushed out of the work if they, when they reach these annual doses, sometimes they put away the badge to be able to work for longer time mm -hmm. because they need money. And they're moving from one plant to the also, next plant. Yeah. Wow, that's very sad. Um, can you tell me about the AFNI? It's a, uh, I believe it might be a, an international nuclear aid sort of outfit. Excuse me, yeah, I don't, don't know about that. I don't know about it. Okay, you must, no worries. Uh, we'll, tell uh, me. we'll skip that one then. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, tell me what it is. Um, oh, I, I came across it on the uh, the World Nuclear Association oh. website, and it's. Uh, I believe it's a collaboration between some of the big wigs like the EDF and Areva to um, to spread nuclear as aid to other countries. Uh -huh. so, yeah. No, I don't That's have lovely information. lovely carbon-free power. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> so uh, we've got from the uranium mining, which has its waste, to the reprocessing, which has some quite... Um, or the processing and the reprocessing, which has some quite nasty wastes, and the, the nuclear reactors themselves have a water waste and mm -hmm. airborne waste, and mm -hmm. of course the, the fuel waste in itself. Um, what, what are they planning to do with um, all this waste? <laughs> well, yeah, it's one more dead end uh, with this nuclear industry is that uh, waste. <clears throat> Nobody wants it at home, and nobody knows what to do with that. Mm. Only time can work on radioactivity. There must be hundreds of thousands of tons of this exactly, stuff. Exactly, exactly. So already in France, you have 
900 uh, so-called uh, ordinary dump sites where they found uh, radioactive materials. They have three big uh, sites for uh, to store waste. One completely in the west beside La Hague and uh, that is already completely full. And two other ones in the northeast of France for what they call short life and Uh, low uh, My level of radioactivity, but already they put a bit more in that, <laughs> and they prepare now another s uh, site for higher radioactivity and very long life. And now they dig the whole. That site is called Bur. <coughs> they dig the whole 500 meters deep. And they pretend it's in the clay, they pretend that nothing is moving, that it will be great. And, but there is a lot of resistance along, uh, around. And, uh, and now they started a new category that we didn't know that it was existing. It's something FAVL does mean, yeah, low activity but long life. You know, something in between the two the two other ones mm. we've had a medium level waste yeah. category for years mm -hmm. that nobody else has has <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. it's a b c the category so c being the very long life uh, and high radioactivity mm. now um i guess the uh the the ownership of the industry you've said is largely the uh The people of France through their government. Yeah, but in spite of themselves, because uh, first they were never asked if they want nuclear energy. There was not even a vote in the parliament. It was always a little gang of politicians with lobbyists. And it worked very well for them, so why not to go on in this way? Mm. <laughs> but what is surprising is, is that in spite of decades of propaganda and disinformation, In France, most of the population is remaining defiant in front of nuclear energy and they make polls year after year. And there is always a slight majority telling clearly that they would prefer to get rid of nuclear energy. And since Fukushima, of course, this, this percent is higher. So the last one was telling that 75% of the French population would like to get rid of it. But of course, the politicians are they are like in a monomaniac obsession and they, they won't hear it as usual. Mm, and um, I guess each, um, each reactor would have some sort of insurance policy in case it <laughs> blew up and poisoned all of Europe. <laughs> yeah. You surely know that uh, no insurance company in the world accept to insure a nuclear power plant like a soldier going to war. It's not for nothing. No, it's, we should take, uh, take it in account. So the fact is that it's because private insurance company don't want it. As usual, it's crazy state. The states that are crazy enough to be willing nuclear energy, they furnish also a kind of state insurance. But the level is very ridiculous. If you have a Chernobyl over Fukushima, it's like uh, uh, some crumbs in a plate. No. Mm, not so much. Now, 
I guess the context of France beginning the whole nuclear adventure was World War Two, yeah, and sure. the invasion, like you said, by mm. the by the Nazis. Yeah. Um, so there was clearly a military side to it. It was the first reason for France to come to come in this game. Uh, the first ones to ask for nuclear energy was the militaries because they needed plutonium for the bombs. But it's not the only point. It's going something going with la grandeur de la France. You know, the, uh, you know we we have to not sort of a, a big man. Thing. Yeah, yeah, and, and a proud, a special proud. You know? And mm-hmm. uh, we must not forget that. Uh, Actually, France is a middle-sized country in the world with declining influence. And so the, with the bomb, they, they were hoping, and we can see that they succeeded, to give themselves the impression that they stay among the biggest ones in the world. And so with the bomb, they got a place on the Security Council of the United Nations. And like for disarmament, uh, even if they have bombs, it's not uh, so much than USA and Russia. I think, if I don't mistake, it's 95% of the nuclear armaments that are belonging to these two countries, USA and Russia. And so Great Britain, uh, France and some other ones have the rest. Actually, France is saying we're not concerned with your disarmament agreement. Go down uh, until our naval and then we'll make our own part. But it's as if they were considering themselves as important, like the two big ones, and it's really what they believe, you know. It's in the French mind, uh, Cocorico. <laughs> <laughs> what is Cocorico again? It's the shout of the cock, you know, the, the, the male uh, chicken. And <laughs> <laughs> the roosters cry. Yeah, okay. And okay. so we say it's, it's a funny joke. In France, we say it's, it's you know, it's a, the emblematic uh, bird for France. No, it's this animal. And we say it's because it's the only one that likes to sing with the two feet and shit. <laughs> <laughs> so the, uh, I guess France, uh, France has been a, a colonial power for mm-hmm. for a long, long time, and um, and Niger, which is uh, one of the major sources of uranium and yellow cake for mm-hmm. France, is. That had a colonial relationship with France? It's clear, it's clear. Uh, and before they were in Niger, they were in Gabon also for the same reason. And just to show you, give you an example how much uh, still today Niger is acting in spite, more or less in spite of themselves, I guess, as a f- colony for France, is that uh, we have a group of very good, uh, honest scientists in France who... Uh, make a lot of research on nuclear stuff and radioactivity and they are the ones the name is Krirad and they are the ones who revealed most candles with radioactivity in France since Chernobyl and they were created one month after Chernobyl because they had enough with the state lies they were no more able to endure it and now they are they are renowned around the whole world they went recently to Japan and, and so on and uh, these people who wanted to go to Niger to make study uh, analysis on radioactivity, when they came to the airport, the authorities uh, took away all their materials, uh, technical materials. All their equipment. Yeah, their equipment to to analyze radioactivity, from where 
the orders were coming. And um, we, we here in Australia and most of the English-speaking world know nothing of countries in the world that don't speak English. So um, what sort of... Is there a dictatorship in Nigeria? Or? I cannot tell you on it. Uh, and uh, there was a change recently, kind of cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I'm not sure uh, in which direction it's starting now. I cannot tell you more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah, the, the two Areg in the north of Nigeria where it's happening, they fight a lot against uh, uh, against the, the domination and the spoliation uh, of the ground, of the soil with the uranium mine. Hmm. Tuareg, yes. There has been a, a film in, in town recently on the Tuareg, I think. Yeah. Okay. We're getting through this, we're getting through this. Now the, um, <clears throat> of course the, the bomb involved, uh, the nuclear bomb involved a lot of testing, which yeah, um, yeah we were sort of familiar with down mm-hmm. here through the uh, the Pacific Island testing yeah, sure. and, and the bombing of the Rainbow Warrior mm-hmm. and, and such. So, um, France is no longer developing weapons? Uh, in another way. Uh, what is sure is that they don't respect the spirit of the non-proliferation treaty because the Article 4 is telling that countries who don't have nuclear weapons renounce to try to get it as long as the main countries, as the, all the countries who have it, uh, make efforts to get rid of it. And most nuclear countries find other ways, to, except with nuclear testing underwater or in the atmosphere, as they have done a lot before. They find other ways to improve their uh, armaments. So in France, there is a new uh, nuclear weapon called uh, missile called M51, and they make tests in west southwest of France on that uh, with simulators and so on. And so on this military ground now we have people who come inside uh, Outla and they say we are and citizen uh, inspecting if you are respecting the checking if uh, if you respect the non-proliferation treaty. So people, citizens will yeah. go onto the yeah. base to yeah. check the radioactivity yeah. of mm-hmm. the area. Not only to 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 make it known <clears throat> that uh, they don't respect the spirit of the non-proliferation treaty while improving the, the nuclear weapons. But in France we must say that if uh, nuclear civilian atom is a little taboo, uh, military, military atom is a big taboo in the sense that you can try actions in this direction immediately already we are in like interior enemies when we want to take care about nuclear energy but when we want to take care about nuclear weapons they check us in an incredible way with the the police is surrounding us all the time and nothing is passing through the media nothing at all when it's military when it's civilian, we succeed to get some coverage. Not too bad, but as an example, personally, uh, because I'm on the board and our network, 
and I'm an active activist since many years. I received a visit of policemen at home one time for two months, and they just come to say hello like this. It's strange that they, <laughs> they don't go to my neighbor to for a hello as well. And I received a phone call from the political police called RG one time for some months to know if we prepare something, and of course I tell them everything all each time. <laughs> and, uh, and of course. <laughs> telephone, the line is tape, type tape, yeah, from time to time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of fun with this nuclear banana republic. Yes. And it's a bit the problem in France, even if people are defiant and they would prefer to get out of it, they are resignated because uh, it's all installed, it's easy to use, and as long as there is not no big problems like uh, Fukushima, there is always something more urgent to, to, to work on because this writer's government is breaking many social rights actually and so people are going in the street for the retreats, the, many of the good reasons and but which since Fukushima now it's, it's a new an old new issue let's mm -hmm, say. Mm -hmm. and yeah. there were many many actions in France <coughs> since uh, March. Mm. So it's a, it's a big movement against nuclear? Yeah, we can see that actually in France it's a very alive and strong and creative movement. And when I say it's more than 900 groups and NGOs plus 55 individual members and, uh, and non-stop actions everywhere. But compared to the madness of this government and his billions to put in it, it's not so strong enough. Mm, what's 58 plants by $6 billion to build, by $6 billion to take it yeah. apart, yeah. by and the price of however a major, much to store it? Yeah, and uh, the price of a major accident. I read mm. recently that Ukraine uh, spent uh, one... Uh, billion euros just uh, no it was more mil uh, 1000 billion euros just to try to clean to clean up since chernobyl and to cure the many sick people and they are not at the end of the story it's a crazy day then we can see it was the it's going with the madness of the middle of the last century the middle of the 20th century uh, it was the first atoms for war, and immediately after this war, they created the funny concept of atoms for peace, <laughs> to be able to go on to use it, and to it was the Cold War beginning very quickly, so they wanted to build more nuclear weapons, and it's never to forget that nuclear energy is like a Siamese with uh, two heads on the same body, and we, you, we cannot separate. Mm. Okay, anything else you'd like to add there? Yeah, that's it. Uh, this uh, this vicious dead end of the middle of the last century now, it, it's, it, it's over, it should be over. I mean, now it's time we have already the technologies to go quickly in other directions with sustainable energies and energy saving as important. Energy saving is as important as uh, renewables because we must stop to believe that the world 
is with it there for us with infinite resources is no more true. In the Middle Ages, you didn't know even Australia, so you could still believe that it was unlimited in some ways. But not now. We know that it's a little garden, you know, the, the whole earth, and so we must first change our behavior, and this means <coughs> to stop to overuse this energy. We have to respect it more. Hmm? And we often say in France, studies have been done that uh, with uh, if we're careful with energy, we could produce and consume 50% left with the same comfort. It's not nothing. No? And so it does mean that with sustainable energies, we don't need to produce as much as with nuclear power plants. Uh, if we produce half of what is producing nuclear energy and we use it correctly, it's enough. And we can still do better, of course. So it's a question of politician will, and it's better to change uh, uh, with free will and intelligence than because of suffering, like in Fukushima now. So why to wait more? So if people want to find out more uh, about I guess the other side of the, the nuclear cycle over there in Europe. Uh. The dark side of the nuclear world. Uh, yes, first we have uh, the most simple way is simply through internet for most of you, I guess, to uh, look for sortir du nucléaire. Sortir, it does mean uh, nucle for a nuclear phase out. S O R T I R. D-U-N-U-C-L-E-A-I-R-E. It's too long for that thing, of course. <laughs> it's French. <laughs> and if you, if you want that, you can always uh, email us at behindthelines98.3 at gmail.com and uh, we'll forward that on to you. And uh, if you want to pop in the walk uh, in Western Australia, we never know. Uh, it's Footprints for Peace, and I'm sure if you look for these words here in Australia, you'll find it. It's a good network. Mm, so if you're going on holidays to WA, or you know anyone in WA who might be interested, yeah, yeah. get share, them along. Share the news. Fantastic way to travel the country. <laughs> Oh, André Larivière. La Rivière. La Rivière. Yeah. <laughs> thank you very the much. The river. The river. In English. <laughs> well, thank you once again. You have been listening to an episode of A Line in the Sound, the podcast made by Co-ops, Commons and Communities Canberra, Co-Canberra for short, the New Economy Network of Australia, or NINA, and radio behind the lines from Community Radio 2XX 98.3 FM in Canberra, Australia. Co-Canberra is working towards a cooperative Commonwealth. Our work builds strong communities, extensive commons and a network of climate cooperatives. The New Economy Network of Australia is a network of individuals and organisations working to transform Australia's economic system so that achieving ecological health and social justice are the foundational principles and the primary objectives of the economic system. Behind the Lines has been running for well over 30 years on Canberra's oldest community radio station, 2XX. We do extended interviews with anyone who's trying to make the world a better place. All three are volunteer-run, so if you like what you heard on this episode, join us and become the media. To join up with the New Economy Network of Australia, sign up at neweconomy.org.au. To help out with Behind the Lines, 
or to help our editing team finish off a mountain of good Australian new economy info, which includes editing training, contact us at BehindTheLines98.3 at gmail.com and see 2XXFM.org.au where you can subscribe, donate and volunteer to Australia's only alternative voice, Community Radio. If you're not in Canberra, there's definitely one near you. To help out with CoCanberra, contact us at info at cocanberra.org.au That's C-O-C-A-N-B-E-R-R-A dot org dot A-U Or come along to our monthly meetups, which we share with Nina Canberra Regional Hub, where we explore any and all aspects of the new economy. Find out what we're up to at cocanberra.org.au And finally, if you want to help fund me, Scotty, to go full-time with this and lots of other related work, look up LiberaPay. L-I-B-E-R-A-P-A-Y and search for Community Supported Scotty. From there you can find out about all my other projects and donate to help create a new appropriate economy. Thanks.